when can we as a human race open up a dialogue about mental health without the stigma, without feeling weak, without air quote, you're crazy, in air quote. When can we stop looking at mental health that way? When can we start to see mental health as a part of the body, as any other organ, just as important? Because it is. Listen, sis, be determined to do the work to change the trajectory of where you're going with your life. And you can do that by starting being self-aware about your mental health. What did it look like for your family generations past? Did you see depression? Did you see some other things? Because that's going to help you identify with you, right? Be encouraged, be inspired, be empowered to obtain the peace and balance that you need. Evaluate all of you often. Do a self-inventory. You can't control others, but you can't control yourself. Hey, you're okay. You're okay. You're in a safe space and you're okay. Your trauma may not be your fault, but your healing is your responsibility. Be mindfully present in the moment and take deep breaths. Get recentered. Relax your muscles. You got this. You got this. You so got this. The change that you desire is the change you'll see right in the mirror. That's all you. And let that be okay. Don't apologize for taking care of yourself first. Be unapologetic about the way that you approach how you can make sure that you're mentally sound with a balanced equilibrium. Hi, guys. Welcome to the Heart of Chalk podcast. I'm T.D. Montina, an empowerment coach, and I'm also a clinical mental health counselor, non-licensed. The Artichoke Podcast was created to have these type of chats. The type of talks, the type of open dialogue that helps us understand us greater with our mental health and what does it mean to make changes. Heart challenges, heart talks, and sometimes soft ones. You can meet here every week for new information, new resources. Be encouraged to also always look in the notes for evidence-based resources as well. This self-awareness will actually help us as a human race to just be okay about how we perceive our mental health. What does it look like for you? How do you define that? Are you allowing others to define it for you? So that's the purpose of the heart choke. I'm so glad you're here, and I'm so glad you're with me today. If you are a return visitor, welcome, welcome. If you are a new spectator, welcome, welcome, (laughs) welcome into this space, and thank you for your time. Thank you for an investment that we can't get back after this moment. I so appreciate you. I'm T.D. Montina, and welcome to the Heart of Choke podcast. Welcome also to Quieting the Inner Chaos, Part 2. Guys, today we're going to talk a little bit about a subject that is near and dear to me personally and as well as the experiences that I've had professionally. Today we're going to talk a little bit about anxiety. I know, hopefully that didn't just give you anxiety, right? So anxiety is a psychological or physiological reaction when the brain perceives a threat or 
severe stress event or even something that's life-threatening. It, it's a chain reaction that happens internally to help you fight a danger or something that has threatened you severely. So I remember, guys, if I can be transparent and disclose a little, about a decade ago, I was under some severe stress um, that called me to be out of state. And I was in a rental car in Norfolk, Virginia, and I found myself going down a one-way road with a police officer escorting me um, going the wrong, wrong way. I was having an anxiety attack. And what that looked like for me, which you may be able to connect with the same type of symptomology or symptoms, I had blurred vision with maybe like wiggly worms in my vision, fallen, fallen bright wiggly spots. I also had sweaty palms, but they were clammy, kind of damp and icky. I could not catch my breath. And you know what the most scariest thing for me was? I was extremely disoriented. I did not know my name, where I was. I could not tell the officer what was going on with me. It was the first one I think that I've had at that time to that magnitude. And I remember my heart felt like it was pounding so hard out of my chest, but it also felt like there was an elephant sitting on top of my chest or even on my diaphragm, I couldn't breathe. And so that was my experience, again, almost a decade or so ago with anxiety. Now, if that's something that you can connect with, right? And hopefully that's not your, not your experience. I don't wish this on anyone. But you may have also heard panic attacks and they are similar to anxiety attacks. The difference is, is panic attacks is a sudden spontaneous chain reaction to a stressor where anxiety kind of stay around a lot longer than we'd like. And, there, and anxiety attacks and panic attacks the same are really maybe only a few seconds to a few minutes, but to be honest, they feel like hours, right? Yeah, so if you are not aware if this is something that you're experiencing, please do not self-diagnose, but definitely be encouraged to talk to your mental health professional, psychiatry, or even your PCP, primary care physician. So let's kind of get a little bit into what this is, right? I can understand why we have anxiety and I can understand how to combat it, but it is one of the things that I, I completely don't like because it also creates some challenges for our cardiovascular, right? So guys, what I want you to know about anxiety attacks is what you get when you are extremely upset, right? Or when you are either in real danger or perceived danger is your limbic system, your fight, flight, or freeze, right? 
that your limbic system is saying, hey, I'm just trying to get you to safety and to protect you, I'm going to give you this superpower. And if you're in a real danger, meaning ambulance, fire department, or police, or a bear, I don't know, right? Uh, uh, a snake of some sort, I don't know, something really scary, then you need this. You, this is what it's really for. And so you don't want to minimize that. You want to let that reaction help you get to a safe place of being. But if you're like me, 10 years ago, it was a perceived threat. And so my brain said, okay, TD, we're going to give you a rush and a flood of cortisol right into your blood sugar. And we're going to completely overwhelm you with this superpower for you to go nowhere <laughs> in a wrong way street, right? Down a one way, the wrong way. And so what I've learned about myself is it's important to identify the trigger. And maybe that'll help you. If you've ever experienced an anxiety attack or something like a, a quick, spontaneous panic attack, can you say you know why you had it? Was it a person? Was it a place? Was it a thing? Was it an event? Because that's important to decrease in them. And it may be a place or event or even a person that you cannot escape often, but you definitely one want to identify the trigger to find out how to minimize those interactions as much as possible and also how to self-soothe you if you have to interact with that person, place, or thing. Self-soothing is what makes you feel good and relaxed in that time frame that you've designated for that person, place, event, or thing, right? So like I was telling you and sharing here about the episode I had almost a decade ago, I want to talk a little bit about the signs or the symptomology with the internal stimuli that happens. Again, because anxiety is a psychological or physiological reaction when the brain, what, perceives a threat or danger or it's you're in a real one. You may get sweaty palms. You may get blurred vision. You may experience a rapid heart rate. You may even experience cold sweats, unaware of your surroundings. And that's not an exhaustive list, right? There could be other things that you experience, right? Um, one of the things that I think is common, though, is the sweaty palms and the rapid heart rate. And that's where I meant about the cardiovascular, how it's connected to the physiological and the psychological is really one. Remember always, right? We're a mind, body, and soul, which we're going to get into somatics a little here, but more greater in depth in a future episode. And so with that blood rush of cortisol running through your veins really fast, that causes your heart to pump super heavy, super hot, hard. Now that's not good because 
When the, when the, the heart is overworked, it can create a stroke or sometimes anxiety makes you feel like you're having a stroke or a heart attack. We want to be careful with finding a way to decrease that. Now, again, like I've said before, I am not opposed to medications because I think that they can be helpful. However, they are not the resolve to all things. 10% is the medication. The other 90% would be what I call dead work. <laughs> you have to get to the work, right? And so one of the things that I sometimes challenge clients, I wish someone would have challenged me with this question when I had mine a decade ago, um, but I didn't have a TD for myself at that time. When you say, oh, TD, it's my anxiety. Yeah. When you say, I'm having, I'm having a lot of anxiety attacks lately, Right. I often challenge you or my clients and even myself to answer it this way. What is causing you to be anxious? Because see, by asking it that way, now I'm taking you out of your fight, fight, or freeze, and I'm challenging you to think rationally. When you're in survival mode, you're not thinking rationally. You're trying to think of how do I get myself to safety? But when I ask you, what's causing you to be anxious, now you have to, oh, okay, wait, let me think about it. Well, we often find that there's not a real threat. Now, also, anxiety sometimes is a foundation of a loss of control. That's what gives us anxiety or a fear of something. And in that, losing control or the fear of whatever, fear of failing, the fear of losing something or someone, the fear of losing vision or leaving losing self, or maybe the fear of whatever, right? Being homeless, being jobless, whatever. Those things give us anxiety. Now, they are a perceived danger, not like a bear or a lion is chasing us, but it is still relevant and it's a, it's a true emotion for you. So we want to confirm it and we want to affirm it. But what we want to do is find a way to minimize it as often as we can. Here's a couple ways you can do that. And again, this list is not exhaustive either. Cold showers, if you are at home and having an anxiety attack or even a panic episode, is wonderful if you're at home, right? Even a cold bath in sitting. It definitely tells your limbic system, I'm cold and I'm uncomfortable. Then you stop thinking for the moment about what was stressing you out originally. So it puts you back again in the conscious mind. Acupressure is another activity that I find very efficacious for decreasing anxiety. And what that may look like is one of my favorites is the tapping method. Be encouraged to see what that is in maybe a YouTube video or something else you can actually see it played out. But you take your pointy finger and your index finger and you find a pressure point, typically um, for me, it helps right under my nose, above the top lip. 
and I tap, 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 tap as hard as I need to and as quick to get my attention to get off my stressor. I also tap behind my ear. Sometimes I tap my forehead. And sometimes if my anxiety is more than that can handle, then I take my writing hand and I go in between my non-writing hand with my thumb and first finger and I grab the web skin in between the thumb and the first finger. That eh, feels weird, that gristle, it feels icky. Well, if you squeeze it hard enough, it brings you out of your limbic system as well. It takes you away from your fight, flight, or freeze because it's so uncomfortable, you can't focus on anything else. And that is the reason why it's effective. Here's a couple more. Have you ever heard of somatic stretches? No? Okay, let me share. So our body responds to stress and trauma. And if you listen to a previous episode, you heard me talking about The Body Keeps Score with Vander Kolk, and I even put that book and that author in the notes there. And so this is a part of his school of thought. Somatics is where you have experienced a trauma or something like very, very stressful for you, a life event or even an ACE, an adverse childhood experience, negative event, right? And your body connects with that experience. So that may look like as I am a survivor of complexity trauma, maybe uh, a car wreck or something that I might have experienced, and I have, my leg will sometimes hurt. However, there's nothing really wrong with my leg anymore, to be honest with you, right? But it'll, it'll call to me, almost like the symbols or indicators on your dashboard of your car. Now, if you had a gas indicator on that tells you that you're almost empty or half empty or however your car is set up or positioned, you would not ignore it. You would go get gas. If you saw the horseshoe sign with the exclamation point in the middle, that means that your tire pressure is off. You want to check that right away. At least I'd hope that you would. So you won't have a flat tire or cause a blowout. Somatics, when it's in the body, is your body's indicator that it wants your attention. Something needs you to soothe, to take care of, to acknowledge, to confirm, to reaffirm, all those things. So when you're having an anxiety attack, again, your body is responding to stress, right? Or a threatening event, whether perceived or real, okay? You want to say, okay, I hear you right? And I like the somatic stretches underwater. However, you don't have to be in water. And I actually do this once or twice a day, honestly. I listen to that part of my body. I confirm and reaffirm it by talking to it and I hear you speaking, leg. Okay, so I'm going to stretch you out. Why? Because trauma gets trapped in the body like air pockets right? So be encouraged to look up some somatic stretches 
And if you don't have any things, uh, restrictions, medical restrictions, things restricting you to do that, definitely explore that for yourself. Another exercise that may decrease anxiety attacks is cold fruit. I know, I know you're like, what? Yeah, yeah, so take a cold orange, lime, lemon, um, grapefruit, and you wanna put it in a freezer, typically overnight. You want it frozen, frozen solid. And you want to possibly think about not putting it directly on the skin if it's ice cold. It might not be the greatest idea, but put it in a, a sock or, or a pillowcase or towel and roll it on your neck, your shoulders, your arms. That cold fruit is a wonderful, effective tool to use when you are experiencing an anxiety attack, even before the anxiety attack begins, just because you're stressed. Oh, it's beautiful, right? This also, again, is not an exhaustive list, but the last thing that I'd like for you to consider, this is another one of my favorites, is mindfulness sensory work. And what I mean by that is mindfulness, being present in the moment, right? Name me five things you can see, five things you hear, five things you smell, and five textures you can touch right? And that's being mindful in the moment. And if you're doing that, then you're not thinking about your stressor or your anxiety. You're thinking about naming those five sensory things. Guys, so here we are today talking about anxiety, what it is, what it does to our bodies, and what we can do to decrease it or dissolve it or dismantle it. Again, if you can connect with anything in this episode, please, again, be encouraged to make sure that you're getting the support, the help that you need to just cultivate a healthy, happy lifestyle, mental wellness journey for you. Listen, thank you so much for giving me blind trust on this topic. I thank you for your time. Again, an investment that we can't get back. And I look forward to seeing you soon. Enjoy your day.